So we're continuing our series in, the cha- in Romans chapter 8. So we're looking at just one particular chapter in the Bible. Uh, this chapter has uh, been called by some as the greatest chapter in the entire book of Scripture. That may seem like a weird thing to say, but in many ways, Romans 8 is unique. It, it in some ways is unique in the way that it can beautifully and uniquely articulate the entirety of the Christian life in one chapter. It talks about our salvation in Christ, our union in Christ, our identity as children of God, our walking by the power of the Spirit, our putting to death sin, our living with the hope of Christ's return, and the the removing of pain and suffering, our being sustained through trials by the powerful and unbreakable love of God. And so the entirety of the Christian life packed into this one chapter. And as we've been saying each week, if any chapter of the Bible could speak to our lives, it would be this chapter. It would be Romans 8. Well, during these long weeks of social distancing and having to sort of retreat from our normal lives, I'm sure like you, like me, you've, you've been taking a lot of different videos and media from various people, whether they be uh, actors or musicians or just average people putting out content, putting out programming in a way to sort of entertain us and get, us, get our minds off of all the negativity. Well, one of my favorite programs is the YouTube uh, show that John Krasinski, who's famous for playing Jim on The Office, started called Some Good News. Anybody watch this? Great. It's a great, great little program, little short episodes. And the whole premise is he's in his home sort of broadcasting through Zoom, and he's just talking about, hey, here's positive stories. Here's good news. And then he's interviewing people who bring a lot of positivity and have a lot of fun things to share. So it's a great 15, 20 minutes of just good news. And you can imagine his motivation for that. Hey, we we need some good news. We need something to show us that in the midst of all of this suffering and uncertainty, there are good things happening. There's a lot of joy to be found in the world. I got the idea, so our Romans 8 reading montage, I got the idea from that after watching an episode where the cast of Hamilton through Zoom performed one of their numbers. And I thought, that's really cool to kind of like just splice together people doing different parts. And so uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Check it out if you haven't seen it. But here's where I want to make the connection. Like, look, the past eight weeks have been hard, and it's going to continue to be difficult. Like, we don't know when this is going to end. I don't care who you are. If you have any idea about when all of this is going to change, you're, you're, you're kidding yourself. Let's just be honest. <laughs> but in the midst of this, don't we need some good news? Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't it be good to, to put our minds on something that is life-giving, that is encouraging, that, that strengthens us in the midst of all of this trial and all of this suffering and, and all the uncertainty. So this morning, Romans 8 gives us some good news. Romans 8 provides for us news that is going to encourage us and sustain us. It's the kind of news that you and I need, not only just in the midst of living through a pandemic, but really at any time in our lives, but especially right now especially when our minds can be distracted by the uncertainty and the suffering and the pain, maybe distracted by all the family dynamics that have been going on and the struggles at work or the loss of of finances or whatever it may be. There's a lot of things that want to shape our mind in the negative, in the painful. And here in Romans 8, we have good news for us. And so that's my heart, that's my goal for us this morning, is for us to be reoriented to some good news. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, 
We're gonna be in Romans 8, specifically verses nine through 11. Before we look at those verses specifically, I wanna do a little bit of a recap. So last week, Pastor Paul walked us through verses five through eight and showed us the contrast between those who are in the flesh and those who are in the spirit. Now, to properly understand this contrast that runs all throughout the chapter, we need to keep in mind what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he says in the flesh and in the spirit. He's not talking about the difference between our physical bodies and our souls. He's not saying our physical body's bad, soul's good. No, he's talking about when he says in the flesh and in the spirit, two different domains, two different ages, two different powers that are at work in our world. So here's an illustration for you. So throughout history, there have been significant events that have really changed the nature of our existence. There have been technological advances that have really changed the way that we live. And the changes are so significant that we sort of think of life before that and life after that. We may be in one of those situations right now. And so we sort of think, hey, there was the age before this, and now there was the age after this. So maybe if, if you're familiar with sort of historical terms, you hear the Stone Age or the Bronze Age or the Iron Age. These are ways of talking about certain technological realities of what was used for tools or for weapons. And when, when something else came along, it significantly changed that. We have things like the Industrial Revolution or 9-11 or what we're, now we sort of live in the digital age or the age of social media or the age of the smartphone. All of these events, all of these realities, they've changed life forever. There was a different age and now there is a new age. There was an old age before, there is a new age after. There was a way to live before and there is now a way to live after. And so this is the sense that Paul is using with flesh and spirit. To be in the flesh is to be ruled by the old age to be ruled by the old age of sin and death, to be under the power of sin, to live according to the mindsets and the priorities of sin and death. And look, this has been our world since the fall. Like God did not create the world this way. God, God did not create the world with sin and death in it. That was us. That was our rebellion. We rebelled against God's goodness. We rebelled against his authority. And so in the midst of that, what happens is the age of sin and ruin and death comes on the scene. And that is the age, that is the domain, that is the power we live under apart from Christ. And so we live in the flesh. Like apart from Christ, we live in our sinful and selfish desires. We reject God. We reject his goodness. We reject his righteousness. And we're at the mercy of corruption. And we're also at the mercy of death all around us. And look, we don't even need to look far to see this is an age of sin and death. We see it all around us. We can also, if we're honest, we recognize that we have lived by the flesh. We have lived by that age and its power. But then the good news for us this morning, for, for, us, to rem that, that for us to remember is that through Jesus Christ, a new age is broken in. Something different has come. Something different has changed. A new age has broken in. It has come and it is coming. As Paul says in Romans 8.3, Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh, meaning he came as a human, though he was sinless. And he came for sin, meaning he was an atonement for sin. He died for our sin. He took the full penalty and the full punishment for our sin. He laid down his life, but he was raised on the third day. 
and he ascended into heaven as a victorious king. And this is oftentimes where the, the gospel message stops, but there's more to the story and we need to make sure we recognize this. There's more to the gospel story. Jesus was ascended into heaven. He's the resurrected and reigning king, but what else did he do? It didn't just stop there. No, he gave us his spirits. He poured out the Holy Spirit on us. The spirit is present. The spirit has come. The Spirit is here, and that's why the Apostle Paul can say it's the age of the spirits, because the good news of the gospel is the Spirit is here, and the Spirit unites us to Christ. The Spirit brings spiritual life to our souls. The Spirit renews and transforms us. The age of the flesh, this is what we need to recognize. The age of the flesh is no longer the most powerful thing around It's no longer the dominant force. It's no longer the thing that we have to submit to and be at the mercy of. No, the Spirit has brought a new age. And and the Spirit bringing a new age means that the Spirit is pushing back darkness. He's waging war on the deeds of the flesh. He's undoing the power of the flesh. He's setting us free from sin and death. And look, just like in, in history, when something comes on the scene and changes things, it doesn't mean that it completely eradicates the old way. So, so just like social media and the iPhone hasn't completely done away with all forms of communication and social interaction, that the spirit has come, that there's a new age that is broken in, doesn't mean that sin and death still aren't present. He hasn't completely eradicated it, at least not yet. However, we cannot miss the truth that the spirit is here. The Spirit is present. The Spirit is active. The Spirit is powerful. We live in the already but not yet. The Spirit has come, but we wait for the day when the age of the Spirit completely eradicates sin and death. But if we think of it only in terms of the future, we miss the power that is available today. We miss the reality. We miss the good news, church, that the Spirit is here today. And so this is the contrast the Apostle Paul is drawing. He he draws a line in the sand. He says to live according to the flesh is to live under the control and dominion of sin, but to live according to the spirit is to be empowered by the spirit, is to be empowered by the life and the peace that he brings to him, to live according to the righteousness that pleases God. So there's a contrast, there's a conflict. There's conflicting powers, there's conflicting ways of life, there's conflicting ages that exist in our world. And there's this implicit question for us. Are you living in the flesh or are you living in the spirit? Are you under the control and dominion of sin and death or under the control and dominion of life and peace that the spirit brings? This is the contrast we all face. This is a question we all have to answer because this is the question above all questions. This is the reality that changes everything for us. And so this contrast has been established in verses five through eight. And so while we can all, we're all faced with this question, we all must wrestle it. Here's what we also need to recognize. For those of you who are in Christ, for those of you who belong to Jesus, if you're anything like me, struggle, trial, suffering, sin, has a way of making sight hazy, has a way of making me lose sight of what is true. With all the struggles and the trials and the battles that we face, with all the pain and suffering around me and in me, sometimes I lose sight of who I am. And sometimes we lose sight of who we are. 
We lose sight of the good news and the truth of the age that we live in and the power that we live in. And so it's not that Paul is trying to cast doubt here so much when we get to verse nine. Rather, in verse nine, the apostle Paul shoots this incredibly powerful, clarifying truth for all people who are in Christ to recognize, hey, yes, sin and suffering can create some problems with sight. Sin and suffering can kind of throw your perspective off. It can cause challenge. But here's what you need to know, Christian. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, look, follower of Jesus, the one who trusts in him, the one who belongs to him. The struggle is real. Sin is real. Suffering is real. But never forget, you are in the spirit. You belong to Christ. The spirit of God is within you. And in the in the, in the tra- ESV translation, it says, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, So again, that can kind of create this question of like, Paul's kind of calling into doubt. He's challenging. But the word if there can also be translated sense. So the sense of the verse is this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit sense, because in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Yes, the flesh, sin and death and its dominion and power are still around us. We still have to deal with it. Sin tugs at our souls, but don't let that drown out the good news. Hear the good news. You are in the spirit. The spirit has come. You're under his dominion, his rule, his power, his renewal, his care. Don't don't miss this. You are under the spirit's care in this season. You're under his control and his power in this season. Because the spirit of God dwells in you, you're a part of the new age. You're not a part of the old age, Christian, discipler of Jesus, follower of Jesus. You're not part of the old age anymore. You're part of the new age. You exist in a new realm, in a new position, in a new power. This is what defines you. This is who you are. You're not in the flesh. You're not in the flesh. You're not at the mercy of sin and death. Its power has been broken. Its dominion has been overthrown. This is good news for us. Now in verse nine, Paul does make a caveat. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Here's what this means. To belong to Christ means to have the spirit of Christ. You have to have the spirit of Christ within you. And so to be a Christian, let's clarify what this means to be a Christian. To be a Christian then is not fundamentally just having some sort of philosophy that looks Christian. It's not just a mental assent. Look, to be Christian is not just to follow a particular ethical code, though Christianity does have ethics. To be a Christian isn't just to have some sort of preference for Jesus. Ah, uh, yeah, I choose Jesus over and above everything else. And so, yeah, I kind of identify as a Christian. No, being a Christian is not about our own effort and our own intellect and our own sort of discipline and moral code. To be a Christian means you have been supernaturally transformed. There is a supernatural power that is at work in you, a supernatural power that is transformed and is transforming you, that has called your dead heart to life and now is renewing that heart in righteousness. And look, this doesn't happen 
through our performance. It's entirely an act of the grace of God. This doesn't happen because you were good enough. This doesn't happen because you performed enough and you put God in your debt. It's not because you jumped through enough hoops. No, this is a grace of God entirely. This is something we receive by faith. We must be in the spirit. So there is a warning here. There is a challenge for us here. You must be in the spirit. You must put your faith in Christ and be transformed by him. But this is good news because this is what verse 10 tells us. But if, or again, or since Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Because we are in the spirit and the spirit is in us, there is a power at work in our hearts and in our lives greater than the power of sin and death. Look, the stench of death is around us. And can I just be honest and open here for a second? Look, I'm tired of death. I'm tired of it hanging around the way it's been hanging around the past eight weeks. I'm tired of how COVID-19 has our entire world in its viral grip And all that we think about and all that we're consumed with is death. It seems like life has been reduced to just trying to avoid death. I'm tired of death. I'm also tired of death because I'm tired of how many times I've had to feel the pain of losing a friend and a family member. I'm tired of death because I know there are those of you in this room and those of you watching live streaming right now, you're mourning and you're grieving. I'm tired of death because I'm just, I'm tired of its constant threat and it's constantly trying to scare us and constantly trying to control us. I'm tired of death because I'm tired of hearing once again of the death of a pastor who was influential to me and to a number of other people in our network. I'm just tired of story after story after story of death. I'm tired of seeing videos of men being shot down when they're jogging. I'm tired of death. I am also tired of death because I'm tired of the ways that it is attacking our bodies. I'm tired of cancer and I'm tired of illness. I'm tired of the fact that some of you walk around with chronic pain. And I'm tired of it, that some of you carry deep scars emotionally and mentally from the ways people have sinned against you and the pain that causes and you carry that in your bodies. I'm tired of things like PTSD and anxiety and depression. I'm tired of death just hanging around. This is why the gospel is good news. This is why the age of the spirit is good news. Yes, our bodies carry death in them. The death principle is at play. This is the curse of sin. This is the effect of sin. Death swirling around us and death in us. But the good news is even though death is at work, something greater is at work. Life, life, the spirit is life. Even though there is death in your bodies, life, the spirit is life. And that is the principle. That is the power that is at work in you. That is what is work in us. If you are in Christ, though your body is dying, Though your body is breaking down, what's working in you, what's coming out of you, what's renewing you, what's transforming you is life. That's the good news we live in today. 
That is the good news that is greater than anything going on in our world, any pain, any suffering, any pandemic, any trial, any sin. That is what's going on. And church, if the Spirit is in you, because the Spirit is life, He's working life in you. Because the Spirit is righteousness, He's working righteousness in you. The Spirit is beauty, and He's working beauty in you. The Spirit is good, and He's working goodness in you. So no matter the death that swirls around you, no matter the struggles with sin that you still face, the greater truth is this. Life is at work within you. Life is at work within you. Life that is greater than the power of the flesh. Life that has set you free from sin and death. Your heart that was once dead in sin is now alive. The heart that was now rebellious against God is now being transformed to love God and to worship him and serve him. If you're in the spirit, look, your sin doesn't define you. Your weakness doesn't define you. Your sickness and illness don't define you. Your PTSD and your anxiety and your depression do not define you. The Spirit defines you. You are in the Spirit. That is the greatest truth. That is what defines you. That is the power that is at work in you. That is the good news we need to hear, and that is the good news that is true. And this life is not just for our hearts, our inner man, our souls. It is also life for our bodies. As verse 11 states, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Church, let's just just follow the logic here, the beautiful, powerful logic. If the spirit dwells in you, if he's made his home in you. It's not just that he's hanging out in there once in a while, popping in once in a while. No, he dwells, he tabernacles, he's taken up residence. He sits on your couch, he sits in your chair, he eats in your fridge. He's dwelling with you. If he dwells with you, if he's taken up residence in us, and if he is life, and if his, he is power, and if his power is all-encompassing, if his possession of us is so complete, look, his presence cannot help but transform our bodies. There's no way around it. There's nothing that can't but happen that one day our bodies are going to be renewed and restored and transformed. And I cannot wait for that day. I cannot wait for that day when we get new bodies transformed, set free from sin and death. No more sickness, no more pain, no more dying, no more mental illness, no more cancer, no more COVID-19, but bodies that will live eternally, bodies that will endure forever, bodies set free of sin and death, only to know life and perfect joy in Christ. This is the good news from us, for us this morning. This is the good news we live in. And so church, let this be good news that reorients our hearts and our minds. Let this be the good news that affects the way we live in the days to come. Look, until that day when either Jesus returns or he calls us home, until the day when he comes back to restore all things, we're going to live with trial, we're going to live with struggle, we're going to live with challenge. But never forget, the spirit is life and that life is at work in you. So may we live in that power. May we live in light of that good news. Amen.